0: Listeners to Grace Arkey, I'm doing something unusual today. Starting off telling you that you need to make sure you get a copy of this show, download it, save it to your own files. YouTube has in the past banned people for sharing the information that we're going to cover in this episode today, all of which is sourced, all of which was thoroughly researched, all of which you should have and you should hear. But we're going to make some specific claims of a group of people that we call the Spillover Gang if they get a hold of this they may not like it and they have a direct line to the people at youtube we now know this thanks to the twitter files to make sure that this show is not seen or that maybe the entire program is ended we'll do our best to keep getting information to you but please download a copy of this show so that you have have one for your own files thanks for watching
1: our world is lost in unnecessary fear and hurt it's time for governance by grace welcome to gracearchy with jim babka jim this COVID origin story is starting to sound like that whole weapons of mass destruction where they ran cheney out in front of everybody and said no no they really were there they've been moved right it's like they're trying to perpetuate a myth and they is i mean we can get into they But it's starting to feel that way there was this article last week riffing on an article in science magazine where some other dna scientist now has uncovered some raccoon dog dna that ties COVID into the market in wuhan versus all the other things that are out there and and you know man i'm just confused and you're the expert so let's take this one
0: and see if we can pull it all (laughs) apart right (laughs) i am not the expert uh but I, I wanna show, I, I think I can demonstrate that a layman who with no science background can figure out an awful lot if they well, mean, to ask right? questions. Yeah, so mean. so you'll get here in the time that we spend together, however long that uh, turns out to be, uh, you will get an awful lot of information that took me many, many hours to acquire. Yes. But they, it comes from the fact that I ask questions. I have, I have a heuristic view of the world that says that when the media is telling me something, I ne- can't necessarily believe it. And as we get into the AI world now, where people can make art, (laughs) we're gonna start to see that our lying eyes can't be trusted. We are going to start to see things happen that literally we cannot trust. We've gotta get better at being uh, being observers of fact, knowing when we have truth in front of us and don't, and not just simply confirming our previous biases, which by the way, that's the whole purpose of this this new leak of information because that's literally what happened. They leaked information on purpose is to uh, create an impression that people will remember the same way they remember Dick Cheney's self-generated story.
1: I I know we can't really get into all the international politics on this. There just isn't time. But I do know that we want to steel man the situation
0: as best we can today. Yes. so Uh, I want to do a couple of things. Yeah, Yeah. I want to make sure that, number one, I I explain all my priors. I'll get to those in a second. I will share my biases. I will give my theory of the crime so everybody knows where I'm coming from. And then we are going to point to one person in particular who has done an exemplary job of trying to make the zoonotic spillover story uh, work. This is the counter to lab leak. This is the one that where stuff happens in a wet market. The zoonotic spillover means that it went from and it, it was a natural accident that goes from animal to human being. Right. So the zoonotic spillover theory. We will talk about one person in particular who has done a really incredible job for the other side and trying to make their case. But that's not what happened in this recent story that leaked out uh, just here in March of 2023. Let me do one thing first, one more thing in front of it. In November of last year, I had a Facebook post, the sixth to be precise, if somebody wants to crawl through my timeline. Uh, I made a prediction and I said, and I quote, for his DNA work, Francis Collins should already be a household name. Next year, he will achieve that level of infamy. He will be joined by Christian Anderson, Peter Daschek, and Edward Eddie Holmes. Now, in today's episode, it's really vital and important that you pay attention to the names I just gave, in particular, Christian Anderson and Eddie Holmes. These are names that are not household names yet. If there was an actual congressional investigation that was robust, if there were prosecutions being pursued, I guarantee they would be so listen for their names and a couple others that will be added to the list during the course of this episode that's christian anderson and eddie holmes all right full disclosure of my beliefs i I, there's five things i want to say about this right up front number one i believe a deadly sars uh bat virus that became covid was scraped from cave walls and out of a copper mine in china in 2013. two it is an undisputed fact that samples from these cave walls were transported back to the Wuhan lab by Shi Jin Li, AKA the Batwoman. Three, subsequently, and likely by 2015, gain of function research was conducted on this SARS virus. It's possible that this research may have continued up through 2019, but somewhere along the way, I believe a fern cleavage site was added. The fern cleavage site is what makes this so contagious, so potentially uh, uh, dangerous to human beings. Number four, an American researcher, Ralph Barrick, a virologist at the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, likely has knowledge of, or may even have participated in this research. And he seems to have been aware that this gain of function made the bat virus more contagious to humans. We don't know what happened because the bat woman changed the password and then turned off the database where these records were kept. These internationally available records were kept in late 2019 as the pandemic broke. Number five, likely early early September 2019, I would allege that an employee somehow bore it out of the lab. They carried it out of the lab, exposing others in Wuhan, which is a city of over 11 million people. It's a very big city. The wet market is only nine miles or a 40-minute drive away from that lab. But that's not where it started because there's evidence that city authorities knew they had a problem when they hosted the Wuhan military games from October 18 to 27, 2019. The city, according to some of the athletes that participated there, seemed to be already in lockdown. Italy, Brazil, Sweden, and France, and probably Canada too, all have evidence of patients with COVID antibodies from before November 2019. So
1: um, in the light of that, do you have any inclination or tendency to believe that this was
0: like a militarized virus? At this juncture, no, and mainly because it's it's a whole other thing to investigate. So just establishing where this came from in the first place is a whole deep dive that is very involved, and I don't have the evidence yet to make that claim. The one piece of evidence that is is interesting in this regard is that the funding. We are mostly focused on the funding uh, that is kind of, that came out of the National Institutes of Health, which Francis Collins presides over and with which and, and Anthony Fauci works in. And he allocates a significant number of those dollars for virology experiments. So we're, con- we're interested in their role. But there also appears to be a Defense Department Pentagon role in all of this. But I am not going to make any claims or statements in that direction. We are going to treat this as if it's an accident because right now, and by the way, some of this is in regards to time. We gotta make sure that we can get this done in an episode. That's a whole nother field to investigate with that possibility. And there is at this juncture, and I think most everybody that's looking at the story agrees, not anywhere near enough evidence to say that this was intentional bioweapon production or it was intentionally uh, dropped by the Chinese. We may have to do- delve into that in a future episode though. Okay, so let's take this forward now that we've established sort of groundwork here. Talk to us about Fauci, Jim. There are a short list of friends of either Zijin Li, the Batwoman, specifically her friend Peter Daszak, or Anthony Fauci, who are involved in, in advancing the zoonotic spillover conspiracy theory. Uh, I, I call it a conspiracy theory because um, there is a, a really small group of people that we're going to uh, get into exactly who they are uh, in just a moment who, if you look at every study that's come out so far, the preprints, most of them are preprints. They're not actually full peer reviewed studies. If you look at what's happened since uh, since the beginning of this pandemic, you will find the same names. I call them the spillover gang. You will find the spillover gang showing up again and again. And these are people who are intimates of Anthony Fauci. They are always, their names, they're quoted in the, in, in the articles uh, that are published in the popular media about them, the regime media. But they are—they are always uh, at least one or more of them are one of the people who uh, whose names are on these scientific studies. And this includes Anderson and Holmes, right? It does include Anderson and Holmes.
1: Got it. So it's Fauci, Anderson, Holmes,
0: and Francis Collins. Well, Francis Collins isn't actually on the studies, but he's the—he's the head of NIH, and he's aware. Uh, and he's in some internal conversations, Bill, like he's in email exchanges. He's on various phone calls along the way. Um, you know, it was interesting. He chose to retire. There was no need for him to. Um, I mean, he did not have to. And now Anthony Fauci uh, chose to retire. Uh, again, no need. I mean, there's this is, their jobs weren't that hard, honestly, uh, their roles here. Um, there wasn't was a strenuous work that they were engaged in. Um, I, I, I think that they both had some sense that information was going to be coming and investigations were going to begin that were going to be rather uncomfortable. Uh, I, I definitely and that if you're not in those positions anymore, that it changes how accountable you are to showing up and participating in those uh, hearings. Let's start out with some grace here because we, you
1: know we've publicly we've gone on record here. We're talking about a conspiracy theory that has some powerful people invested in keeping it going. So let's begin with Grace on that. How, how do we offer that right
0: now? Um, yeah, so there was, you know, the, the the people who are advancing the spillover theory were not trying to advance a spillover theory with any degree of of effort, really, after the initial pandemic. By April of 2020, and if you recall the, the pandemic for the United States, we really started experiencing it. The, the lockdown began in March. They didn't have to because they had the they, the media would cover whatever they told them to cover. They issued a, a letter in The Lancet and one study by Christian Anderson, led by Christian Anderson that included Eddie Holmes and, and another person we're going to reveal in a moment. And after that, they didn't really comment on this anymore. And it was you were you would have been banned on YouTube, you would have been banned on Twitter, and you would have had been severely suppressed in the algorithm on Facebook if you had advanced the theory of a lab leak. Uh, That changed in May of 2021. The dam broke because Andrew Wade found a willing, someone finally willing to publish the article. The whole scientific community was all puckered up and wouldn't release this. And uh, the Bulletin of Atomic Scientists agreed to publish an article. And he showed that there were scientists literally all over the world that had been sleuthing this thing together in a group called Drastic. Despite that, I think we have to steel man what is being claimed here and so I will share with you the person that I believe has done the best job uh, a new member of the spillover gang he's not an original member of the band that is done the best job of trying to make their case and and give you access to what he said and and where you can go find more information so that you can uh, you can weigh these claims for yourself. Okay, so we ready to roll up to
1: uh, when did the latest uh, <laughs> the latest Department of Energy information come out? It's like really close to now, February twenty sixth, right? So yeah, we have to start ago. off with
0: we got to start off with the timeline. So February yeah. twenty sixth, February twenty sixth, there is an Energy uh, Department report that comes out, makes it all over the media, says it's a lab leak. Immediately, the opponents of this. Report say this is uh, this was with low confidence. I, I don't I don't want to belabor a point, but I just want to say statisticians know that this added number of low confidence to something is like invalid is not valuable information. It's 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 useless. Like you you don't say well we have this thing we've done all this math and then at the end of it we go but we're still not sure it's right. Like that doesn't make sense. And so I've seen usually they cheat and do the opposite. They say, we have a high confidence in what we're doing. We give, we've we established this confidence interval. But this confidence interval type stuff just is, is borderline useless in looking at data. You actually look at the data itself and they do point to a lab leak. So that's February 26th. Now, just a couple days later, uh, the FBI, quote, this is a quote from uh, FBI Director Christopher Wray who went on Fox News and he said, the FBI has for quite some time now assessed that the origins of the p- pandemic are most likely a potential lab incident in Wuhan. Then on March 1st, so we've gone from February 26th to March 1st, then on March 1st, the Senate voted unanimously to declassify all documents related to the origin of COVID-19. And the House did the same thing. That vote was also unanimous. Let me put it, be clear, there were some that did not show up to vote, but there were no dissenting votes. So now, from February 26 to uh, March 1, we've, we've recounted three events. Energy Department, FBI, House vote. So it's just a coincidence that Florence Debarre, a theoret- theoretician who specializes in evolutionary biology and works at CNRS, which is the French National Research Agency, says that on the 4th of March, she randomly came across a previously unknown sequence of data while working in a database called G-I-S-A-I-D, GISAID, And it took her five days to figure out uh, what she had there, the ninth, which is the day before the, the house will now vote unanimously. And she just discovered this database out of the blue. How does a scientist who works in the field be unaware of
1: a database like that?
0: Well, so she's in there going for something, other piece of information, and then she finds this data. Now, what did she find? So, there's in February of 2022, February of last year, there was a preprint issued. We should probably stop here and just say something very uh, about the nature of how science is done. It's 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 kind of it's kind of shoddy in a way. Most of the science that you know about, most of the stuff that is transported uh, through the media. Is the result of a preprint. A preprint is the rough draft of the study. The scientist says, This is what I think I'm going to end up saying. And then he submits it. And then because there's competition and they want to get the story out, the academic journal that's putting it out will issue a preprint so everybody can get a sense of what's going to come in this study. And that will make headlines. You know, headline vitamin D is bad for you. You know, what? And then everybody gets all like, is vitamin D actually bad for you? And there's talk about it on talk radio and all the rest of this stuff. Well, then that's the rumor that gets out and runs all the way around the world. The truth takes some time to tie its shoes, because what happens next is there's a peer review process and that takes a long time to finish take a year, 18 months, whatever. And that's when it's actually criticized and there's different comments and editorial work is done. And on top of that, when it's finally released, all the data that comes with it is sent out so that other scientists can either duplicate or falsify what is in the peer reviewed study. And they can comment and do stuff on it. And that doesn't get covered in the media. And by that time, everybody's already swallowed the media story as if it were fact. Okay. So Florence is just getting the database that goes along with a February, 2022 preprint that says nothing like what she says is she's using it for a completely different purpose. I got it. Yeah. I understand now that makes more sense. All right. So you want to know what she learned? I'm going to quote the New York times. As I say this, the analysis did establish that raccoon dogs deposited genetic signatures in the same place where genetic material from the virus was left. That evidence was consistent with a scenario. In which the virus had spilled into humans from a wild animal but bill you want to know what else that also means yeah because this isn't conclusive yet so what else let's keep reading down in the new york times i'll quote them again chinese scientists released a study looking at the same market samples in february 2022 that's why she's in that. uh that's the data for that study that study had reported that samples were positive for the coronavirus but suggested the virus had come from infected people who were shopping or working in the market rather than from animals being sold there. Wait, wait. So time out here.
1: We're saying that there was evidence in the market, but that evidence was brought there by
0: human beings, not by raccoon dogs, right? So she and her allies are saying it comes from, it goes from raccoon dog to human. And the study that was that gathered this data is saying it's going from human to animal.
1: Okay, I'm breathing right now because um, for me, who's sort of been watching this from the outside, that's heavy news. Yes. Because it substantiates now. your biases from the beginning, which were that this leaked out earlier, got into the uh, you know, the international military games or whatever, and then got out into other countries at that point, as well as into Wuhan.
0: So this is like a, a one of these classic coin flip situations. The data can show both things and we don't know which one it is. That's, yeah, that's what this does, right? So this was sent out by the Atlantic and PBS and New York Times and all the rest of these. As if the headlines all said, and in fact, much of their reports said that this knocked the, this was a real damaging blow to the so-called lab leak theory, right? Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. nothing of the sort. It's, it's the not sort. even that. Not even close. Right. <laughs> okay, okay. So, uh, so... The bar goes to the spillover gang with this, right? Oh, immediately, immediately. She decides that she's going to take this. Uh, she, she doesn't know what to do with this next. So she reaches out to Eddie Holmes and Chris, Christian Anderson. And the three of them decide to go to the World Health Organization with this information. So when this was released, do you remember this whole explanation I just gave you a couple of minutes ago about preprints? Sure, yeah. When this goes, they their next step is to go on March 14th and talk to the World Health Organization And that's how the Atlantic gets this story. And then it blows up all across the regime media. That's how. There's not even a preprint when this story goes to the Atlantic and goes all across the media. The preprint hasn't even been written yet. They haven't even posited their theory. They basically go and do a PowerPoint presentation, as it were. I don't know the exact format, but imagine a PowerPoint uh, presentation on Zoom. That's largely what happened here to the World Health Organization.
1: Meanwhile, all of us, you know, semi-informed citizens are swallowing the Kool-Aid.
0: Yeah, because we don't, we don't have time to follow all this stuff up.
1: Oh, it's, it's arcane
0: and, de- and detailed and the timeline itself is still in question and all of that. Now it's probably unduly harsh that I am calling these guys the spillover gang, but I don't, it's, it's hard to remember everybody's name, like yeah. all the bit players in here. And when you go to explain this to a friend or a family member, you need some way of being able to get your hands around this. So, uh, it, it, to help your memory, I am using the term the spillover gang, I, I, and I don't think I'm being unfair for reasons that will become no, clear as we go on. It makes but sense. The spillover gang uh, definitely includes. It's it's probably its gang leader is Christian Anderson. Eddie Holmes is there at the founding of it. You're going to learn that there's another uh, participant that was there at the founding of it, and I'm going to explain the significance of this. But I think the best way to do this is to lay out a timeline. So. For a point of reference for everybody, because they tend to forget when times of things happened, right? March 15, 2020 is the beginning of lockdowns, the two weeks to uh, flatten the curve here in the United States. March 15, 2020 is the beginning. So if you got that date established in your head, we go back in time just a tiny bit to January 31, 2020. So there's an email that's sent that Anthony Fauci, Christian Anderson is the author of it. He works with the Scripps Research Institute. The genome sequence had been published uh, three weeks earlier for SARS-CoV-2 and virologists had been spending those three weeks studying. So they've had three weeks to look at this already and begin to develop their their initial impressions. And Anderson writes this email, after discussions earlier today with Eddie, Bob and Mike, I wanna be clear eddie bob and mike it's not edward with not dr holmes it's not dr gary it's it, it, again it's it's eddie bob and mike so he's writing to tony this is christian writing to tony these guys are all on a first name basis this is a very close intimate club eddie bob and mike and myself all find the genome inconsistent with expectations from evolutionary theory. Eddie happens to be Edward C. Holmes of the University of Sydney. And in the early unanimous view, the virus didn't come from nature and may have instead escaped from a lab. Oh, and Bob is Robert Gary, who is a microbiologist at Tulane University. So he's the
1: new name we've been looking for?
0: Well, he's one of the original gang. He's one, okay. we're gonna get to, there's gonna be another person added to this group later. There's a couple of people, but we're gonna point out one in particular who's done a really good job for their side. But Eddie Holmes, Bob Gary, and Christian Anderson are part of a unanimous group of people who disagree with the source of the the virus. And and Christian Anderson points this out on January 31st, 2020, to Anthony Fauci in an email. And Fauci wrote back immediately, Bill.
1: Do we have that email? Do we know
0: what he said? Yes, we do. He says, stop sending me emails about this. Like, we got to get this off of email and that we need to get on the phone and we know that that phone call happened on February 1st. We do not know all the contents of that phone call, but we know that a call happened on February 1st and all of those parties that I've just referenced were on the call. Now, it's really important you get this date. It's really important you understand, like you're listening to me in an audio form and you might forget the date. So I'm gonna repeat it so you don't forget it. January 31 is an email. February 1 is a is a meeting. And on, then comes February 4. So we're talking about a span that covers only five days. Just three days after the meeting, Anderson writes an email to Peter Dajic. We uh, we don't have time to get into who Peter is today. Uh, that's a completely different set of things that we would have to go look at. But Anderson decries crackpot theories and the claim that the virus was, quote, being somehow engineered with intent. And that is demonstrably not the case, end quote. In other words, by his own admission, Bill, Christian Anderson was a crackpot conspiracy theorist just four days before. These
1: are respected scientists who are now falling on their own swords
0: or pipettes. Yes. In so, case, maybe. so Anderson was one of the five scientists, two of the aforementioned participants in the call, uh, February and call, Eddie Holmes and Bob Gary. They all went together and they co-authored the first paper on the subject, The Proximal Origins of SARS-CoV-2, which dismisses the lab origin hypothesis. It just simply tries to discredit it. It doesn't really advance another theory. It just, it's, it's a basically a discrediting document. And they were able on February 4th, February 4th, remember they just got this, they just had Five this meeting days. on February 1st. Five days. They, on, uh, three in this case, because February yeah, 1, they have the meeting. And February 4th, they can send this report in rough draft form to Anthony Fauci and Francis Collins for comment. And it was published on March 17. That's how fast they were able to get this done. Okay. That's unusually fast for science, by the way. Incredibly. Just really, really fast. Okay. So Bob Gary, he's a new character that we've just uh, added to Christian Anderson and Eddie Holmes, referenced in that email to Fauci. Uh, he had an email quote that also came out as a result of a investigation by the House Oversight and Reform Committee in 2021. And we didn't get to see this email. In fact, uh, much of the data that the House that the House committee got was heavily redacted. And But in January 22, they issued a report or a letter explaining some of the stuff that they knew. So Gary basically says that this, the fur and cleavage site possess features of intelligent design. I quote, I just can't figure out how this gets accomplished in nature. It's stunning. Of course, in the lab, it would be easy to generate the perfect 12 base insert that you wanted, end quote. So he, too, changed his mind from the February one call. They're dropping like flies.
1: I mean, actual scientists are just flipping what they what their research showed them they're now saying up no, can happen.
0: Yeah. Now, recall earlier in the month, this month now, 2023, March, Flo DeBar reaches out to Christian Anderson and Eddie Holmes to help her write the review of the data that she had downloaded which the Atlantic subsequently picks up and breathlessly reports as the, as, as putting to bed, the lab leak theory of the crime.
1: Yeah. I got a bow on it
0: now. It looks good. Yeah. But is a coincidence that she just calls these men, right? Is just a coincidence that these are the two people she reaches out to. Well, let's be
1: graceful. I mean, you know, probably not. I mean, my qualifiers
0: probably, but. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a sci- there's scientific problems with the story. And I, I don't, I you're right. We have to be gracious. So let's deal with the facts. Let's deal with the science. The spillover gang, whose new best spokesperson, by the way, is Mike Warrobe, starts studies with the premise that the, the patients of, of COVID that get COVID emerge in December 2019. No, However, wait, that can't possibly be. There's got to be people who are ill before that. Well, before December the China- 2019. The Chinese uh, government admitted, and this was in the Chinese Post, that November 17th is when they were aware that there were patients with this. November 17th. So note, that is not December, that is before December. And this is important because the the premise of the other side is that a CDC CDC team allegedly collected environmental samples in the stalls at Hunan Hunan Market between January 1 and March 2, 2020. And that is the basis of Florence DeBar's March 4th discovery of this data. This is the data that she's looking at. Is this scraped? That's she doesn't have a study. She doesn't even have a preprint here. The data was shared with the WHO in a conference call on March 14th, and it's this it's this stalled data that they were they were gathering from January one to March two. So the pandemic is is already rage. It's already started. It's raging through Wuhan. Well, there's a problem with that. There's tons of problem with that. I, if we can, can we do this? Uh, we got a clip that we pulled from Breaking Points, Sagar and Jetty. He breaks down some of the problems with this theory.
2: The reason late 2019 really doesn't matter is because we have reams of open source data to show us that COVID was already widespread throughout the city of Wuhan at the time that that sample was collected. As I've already previously laid out, geospatial analysis from Harvard and Boston University has found parking lot volume of all hospitals in Wuhan had the highest daily volume of cars in the parking lot in September and October 2019, long before the CCC first reported any cases of COVID, along with a massive spike in search terms in the city of Wuhan for the Chinese version of Google for terms of cough and diarrhea. Not only that, Foreign athletes at the 2019 World Military Games held in Wuhan in October 2019 reported COVID-like symptoms. Athletes remember that Wuhan looked pretty weird at the time. One says that he got his temperature taken at the airport. They also describe in October the city of 15 million looked like it was on lockdown. A Canadian athlete described this quote, I got very sick 12 days after we arrived, fever, chills, vomiting, insomnia. On our flight home, 60 Canadian athletes on the flight were put in isolation at the back of the plane for the 12-hour flight. We were sick with symptoms ranging from cough to diarrhea and in between. Later analysis by Italy, Brazil, Sweden, and France confirms they had patients within their borders who had COVID antibodies from before November 2019. In other words, by that time this raccoon dog sample was taken, COVID had leaked from the lab two months earlier, almost certainly in September 2019. Wuhan was likely already fully infected. Was-
0: That's exactly right. And then, then we can turn, Bill, on top of the data that Sagar just uh, shared with us to just the month of September 2019. Again, March 15, we're in lockdown. Just September 2019, they deleted strains uh, or codes of the, of the virus from their database in Wuhan, they went to military oversight instead of civilian and they changed their ventilation system. All three of those things happened in September,
1: 2019. So I'm not feeling real great about the recent science. I mean, it makes sense, but it's not looking at the whole picture. It's looking at an isolated insulin from a sample taken in a market at least two months after the
0: outbreak actually began. And and I would argue more, I think it's closer to three. I think this actually happened And I actually believe there's evidence that this happened as early as early September, let's say roughly September 9th of 2019. Yeah, because we have Uh, to get into the possible. It's possible that it actually began in July or August. We don't know yet. But the idea, it is more likely that it happened in August than it is that it happened in December. Okay, I'm with you so far. All right. So moving forward. We promised that we were going to steal man here, right? We were going to give some of the other side. Okay. Michael Warrobe. He's the professor and head of ecology and evolutionary biology at the University of Arizona. In May of 21, when the Andrew Wade story broke, he signed a letter, an open letter, saying that a full investigation of this needed to be brought out, that there was significant reason to be concerned that this had leaked from a lab. But over the summer and fall, following fall, he changed his mind. And it was Bob Gary who helped him change it. Oh coincidence. Now, now only Waraby has written more, not only has more Warabee written more preprints and peer reviewed articles about the spillover conspiracy theory. It turns out he's a far better communicator than Christian, Eddie and Bob. And he has used an approach called geographical clustering. He's looked at the mapping data and he's looked for an initial burst of infection In December 2019 and January 20, he's looking at those months, December 19 and January 20, 2019 and 2020. He's been able to generate significant mapping evidence that the wet market is the epicenter during that time period. His work is so thorough. It's so impressive that you'll suspect he knows the part of the Hunan market from where this uh, virus leaped from animal to human. It's very, very impressive work. There's a significant debate that was already occurring for many years, and people don't know this, for many years about the live animals being sold in that market. There was dispute that that actually had even happened because the Chinese initially denied it in early 2020 that that had gone on. In fact, shutting down the wet market bill had scapegoating qualities to it. Sure, yeah. Uh, it, yeah, So so combined with the lockdown, it meant that no one outside, especially outside of the Chinese government, could actually go inspect the market. So there's a degree to which we've lost the crime scene and the people that were investigating the crime scene had a self-interest in covering up the crime. And so we may never know what actually happened inside. Well,
1: there's got to be some sharp American CSI amateurs that are going to go and figure this out. (laughs) Hopefully
0: we're doing that here now. Okay. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) But all the way back in 2014, Eddie Holmes went in that market and took pictures of the live animals. And amongst the data that Warabi relies on is a picture Eddie Holmes took, which had digital GPS coordinates attached to it, of a raccoon dog at the market. And in that same location, in the market, is the data package of Hunan market swipes and samples that Florence DeBar discovers. And they think they've got it down now to the very stall in where a live and infected raccoon dog conveyed the virus to a human being.
1: But this is all irrelevant. I mean, it, it, yes. there's, We're supporting their story; the story is hanging together. But you you have to look at it without without looking back any further into 2019, where you know there's a man behind a curtain pulling the pulling the strings.
0: Right. But so I'm sorry, I, inter- ha- I introduced you, I interrupted you. No, that's okay. Warby has preprints out, uh, several of them, and his peer re- is pe- and he has a peer-reviewed study from uh, the summer of 2022 that appears in Science. Science, the mag, the the publication. And we're going to include that study because it is actually peer reviewed. It's not in preprint status. We're going to review it uh, or provide it in the show notes. But not everybody's going to want to read the study or he's going to quite digest the study. So uh, he it turns out that his excellent communication skills also apply to Twitter. And he's put the cookies on the lowest shelf there. And so we'll provide a link to his Twitter account so you can see those as well. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to forewarn, I think, a little, even a little bit. This is compelling stuff. Like he does a great job with the maps and answering various objections and laying out this idea that the virus emerges in Wuhan from the lab. But so having said, I think I've given Warby all the gracious time he needs or deserves. Because first, as you just pointed out, we have to pretend that December 19 is when this all started in order to buy any portion of Warby's story. It's an article of faith for the Spillover Gang and their magic wet market theory. And two, he's already got much bigger and better funded audience. Every time Anthony Fauci speaks, or an NIH taxpayer funds backing his best friends, who include Christian Anderson, Eddie Holmes, and Bob Gary, all of these people, Peter Daschek, they have Twitter accounts too. They were never suppressed. Or the regime media issues a report. And I'm talking about like recently here, the Atlantic, PBS NewsHour, the New York Times, CNN, and more. Sensationally hyped the bars data discovery as if it had put an end to the lab leak theory. We can say with with factual resolve that Waraby and is and who's the newest member of the band, the spillover gang, they get a great deal of time. And this broadcast that we're doing here doesn't even come, come close to constituting equal time. Far fewer people will see this than saw any one of these sources. And so I don't think we owe them any more than that. We've provided the information, the show links. You can go check it out for yourself if you wish. But you have to believe that this started in December, 2019, you know, and you have to believe also that it didn't go from, that, that it had to have gone from animal to human and not human to animal. They've never ever given the lab leak, which we're gonna call fact
1: equal time for this ever.
0: No, no, the first 15 months of the pandemic, Twitter and YouTube would have banned you. I mean, you, you, there, there's a famous publication their name is eluding me as I'm sitting here talking to you right now that lost a hundred thousand uh, subscriber Twitter account gone because they posited that there might have been bioweapons research going on in that lab uh, from which it spilled Psst, gone. And Facebook was, and they now admit it, was suppressing this information. So it, you, it was just so hard to get it out. And I got to I got to be honest with you. I'm a slight bit worried even now that saying all of what I'm saying here so well on YouTube so effectively could get could get us banned or get us a strike, right? Is this fake news that we're reporting to you all these facts that are out there? If you go and do the research, if you have enough suspicion about how the regime media is in league with the state and how this is a a a, a psyop, a propaganda story. Yeah, never
1: fear, audience. We're gonna hang hang in there on this stuff. And we'll figure out how to get it out to you if we get banned. But yes, that's a real fear. So there's never still... been
0: a there's never been a fair playing field this entire never. time on this. <laughs> You're, there's one more thing I want to say about this you're familiar with the idea of scientific consensus, right like in climate change like how it was yep, invoked right. even during this pandemic that we need to repeatedly follow the science right okay well I want to reemphasize one more salient point Every time you see one of these studies or a regime media report on the, on the zoonotic spillover conspiracy theory invoking a wet market every time look for the names that wrote the preprint or study you will find either. Christian Anderson, or Eddie Holmes, or Bob Gary, or some combination thereof. Warby's completed study. Mike Warby's completed study, for example, the one that we're going we're sharing in the show notes below. Christian Anderson is one of the co-signers, one of the p- publishers of that study. And now, reminder: Flo- Florence Debar, she reached out to Christian and Eddie. So this really does appear to be the spillover gang. At the center of a cover-up conspiracy theory, and so
1: scientists can have conspiracy
0: theories too. Yes, yes, and and so if if, if there's a whole other group of people out there that have been doggedly pursuing this, and now there's a whole bunch of new people who are looking at the evidence that's been accumulated now that it's been safe to open and begin to examine the question, and we don't have time to get into it today, but the overwhelming consensus of scientists and experts is that. The odds are better for the Wuhan lab leak fact than they are for the zoonotic spillover conspiracy theory. There's so little support scientifically for the zoonotic conspiracy theory, the zoonotic spillover theory, that one, you will find a member of the spillover gang that member of the band on every uh, out there there. And two, you will find their closest associates repeatedly quoted in media stories as well. So it's either them or their closest associates. Mike Warby has become a member of the band, but there are other people that are very close. They're part of that tied in world. They're receiving NIH grant money in many cases, or they're close friends with those people. And they go and speak at the same conferences saying this. Okay. So this idea that, well, these top experts, well, yes, the top experts chosen by virtue of the fact they receive government grants and they have prominence within the field because of their government connections, specifically because of their connections to Anthony Fauci. We have recounted already on this show a simple fact that uh, government is massively involved in funding various types of scientific research. And in this area, in the area of virology, the highest percentage of public to private funding where public, government state funding is being applied, is in this field of virology. Anthony Fauci is a powerful man. There's no doubt that there were, the. To, to my mind, and this is an allegation. I want to be clear. I am making an allegation here that I cannot yet back up with a fact. But it seems to me that either or both, he told everybody in the room that the jig is going to be up on our funding game or worse, or, or some of us are going to get hung because we were connected to the activities that went on. We funded the activities that went on in that lab. Barack Obama had shut down gain-of-function research funding in 2014. And Francis Collins and Anthony Fauci sat down in 2017 and tried to figure out, he studied the footnotes even, looking for an escape clause, looking for a way to kind of reread what they were doing and sneak the money out the door to get this going again. And Bill? Why is this important now? Because it's still occurring. Since yep. the revelation of these charges, all the way back in May 21, Peter Daszak has received another grant. We believe other gain of function is occurring through other sources, including the Pentagon. I, I, I just, so this is not a small matter. They they may be in the, in the midst of creating the next pandemic, even as we're sitting here.
1: So let me try to get my head around this. Uh, we have facts that fly in the face of everything that spillover gang has been attempting to do, and the Spillover Gang has been attempting to do what they do based on preprints of unpeer-reviewed scientific studies that are not tied in to the actual historical facts. So by choosing to start their studies after the pandemic has already started in, in China in mid to late 2019, by choosing to start their studies in 2020, they conveniently ignored all those, uh, maybe we'll call them inconvenient truths,
0: right? Yes. So okay, I like that. Inconvenient truths. Yes. So maybe, but I don't, I'm not expecting for this podcast to win a Nobel prize or Academy award, either one. I'm just not expecting it. Well, we can go for the Pulitzer then. (laughs) (laughs) So yes. And in fact, if you could only remember, I'm going to say two things from today's podcast, if you can only remember two things, one, that every time you see one of these reports or studies, you're going to see a member of the spillover gang connected to or involved in it. You're going to find th- their fingerprints in it every time. Now they're going to change. They need to change their game. But up till now, that's been the case. And two, and this is the really, really super important one of the two. Uh, this is uh, the save the best for last. That the lab leak theory requires you to accept on faith that in December, 2019 is when the pandemic began in the wet market. And we have evidence that it began as early as September. That evidence is already fairly clear and we have evidence that it had already escaped the country of China before November one, we have nations, we have science, we have proof of that before November one. So the, and the Chinese government says November 17. so Unless, you, unless they can figure out how to move their timeline in the wet market up, and they can't. That none of Mike Warby's data shows that. This is not an acceptable scientific theory. As a friend of mine would say, science is your friend. If we're gonna follow the science, let's do that for once. Let's actually do that. Yeah. I still think, as we talked about in a previous episode, which we will also link uh, in this show uh, show notes, that an investigation is needed. Uh, prosecutions need to be issued, and then we need to move to a truth and reconciliation stage where everybody who wants to come forward and avoid prosecution and who is willing to confess their role in it, because we had millions of people around the planet die as a result of this. And that that part, you could almost say, well, maybe they were well-intentioned doing something in a lab that they shouldn't have been doing. Maybe there's some debate to be had about that. But what kind of debate can we actually have? about a subsequent cover-up of the facts, a self-interested cover-up of what actually occurred. I don't think that falls into the, gee, I'm sorry, that was a mistake category.
1: No, doesn't seem like that to me. I mean, I understand the motivation now much better than I did before. These are some top-level scientists trying to sustain their funding source. I get that. But at the cost of how many millions of lives?
0: It's also possible that Francis Collins and Anthony Fauci broke the law, flat out broke the law. And they How did they it during the Trump grace? administration. Yeah, this was this was all. Well, yeah. We offered grace by including Mike Warby's stuff. Yeah. And we offered grace because I'm, I'm not. I'm actually at this moment prone to believe that this this was an accident. They meant well, uh, we're starting off with that premise. We're giving them good faith that the initial intention was good. I mean, Anthony Fauci's talked about the idea that your flu vaccine every year and I don't buy into this either. But he's talked about the flu vaccine that comes out every year being a result of, of gain of function type work. Warren Redfield, who was the head of the CDC at the time, he doesn't agree with this. Uh, he doesn't believe that there's any evidence that gain of function has actually protected us at all, not, not a single shred. So we've been playing with Frankenstein all this time without without any real benefit to it. And if it turns out that this is the only time it's impacted us in the external world, then it's a, it's it's the biggest loser idea, maybe of all time.
1: There's a lot of uh, arcane details in this, but it's starting to come together for me in a way that it hadn't before, Jim. So thank you for that.
0: By the way, we will
1: link in that episode because it's important for people to understand that there is a grace opportunity here for folks who are going to step up and say, yeah, you know what? I did this. It was the wrong thing to do. And highly encourage people who, if you're listening out there and you're in a situation like that, Offer that grace.
0: You know what? I would actually pray. I would actually pray right now. I'm praying that Christian Anderson or Bob Gary or Eddie Holmes would come clean and tell us what happened in that February one call. Tell us of their interests and 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 what what's their motive has been since. That that would actually be really remarkable human news. And I would rush to want to applaud that and pat that on the back. How's that for a grace point?